Welcome to Not So Standard Deviations. This is episode 36, uh, and I'm Roger Pang, and I'm here as usual with Hillary Parker. So, Hillary. Hello. Have you heard? Have you heard the news? <laughs> have I heard the good news? <laughs> I have not. The news is that Trump is using an iPhone now. Uh, Pre- I should say President Trump is using an iPhone now. <laughs> interesting. Uh, and I was when I read this and it was confirmed. Like this is a fact. Um, <laughs> not fake news. It's God. not. It's real news. Yeah. And um, I was concerned for David Robinson. Yeah. When I heard this. Yeah, me too. Because um, to quickly recap, he did these now famous analysis looking at the tweets from Android and the tweets from iPhone. And um, now, and it, it, where you know, this was pretty clear that the tweets from Android were from Trump himself and the iPhone tweets were from his team. This is back in the campaign, I should say. Yeah, this is actually a great opportunity to finally test his model on like, like he's trained the model sufficiently, right? And so yeah, now that's right, he can apply had, like, it to yeah. this set, this unlabeled set. Well, it's, I, yeah, so I don't know. One thing that's not clear to me is whether there is, there actually, he has a model, <laughs> we could just ask him, <laughs> <laughs> if he has a model that takes tweets and predicts who they're from. Because he, I, like, I mean, he could have built that model, but it's not clear to me that he did. It was yeah. Mostly, I mean, his analysis was kind of very, kind of exploratory, but mm-hmm. um but now, yeah, now he's got like a latent variable, right? Because like we don't, the, the phone itself doesn't tell, yeah. you know, who, with the identity of the sender. So Yeah. Yeah. If he didn't, I'm sure in like a meetup somewhere, someone did do this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'm um, sure there's a blog post with a, like predicting Trump's tweets. I can't with, imagine it's that complicated a model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like look for the number of exclamation points and the number and the of all sad. caps letters. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, and there's plenty of training data. That's for sure. So um, yeah. Anyway, anyway, it just I just want to really understand there. how he got an iPhone. Like, who did this? Was this Jared? It, the story. The story seems to be that the Secret Service basically forced him to. <laughs> to, to dump his Android phone. It's like outdated, running an old version of Twitter. <laughs> right, like full of malware, you know. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't think there was anything special about it. But yeah, yeah. About the story. but um, I wonder how he likes it. Yeah, good question. Yeah. <laughs> I like, because he's 70. Usually with a 70 year old, my, my advice is to stick with whatever technology they have. <laughs> like don't, don't be switching around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause it's, I think, you know, it's your ability to like adapt to a new tech system decreases with age, which hopefully that doesn't sound like offensive, <laughs> like ageist <laughs> of me, <laughs> but I think like your ability to pick up like, you know, the small ch- subtle changes, it's, it's just harder when you're older would you say are you saying that in part based on your personal experience yes (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um it's definitely been true for me so yeah and but yeah yeah for example um i have never been able to understand snapchat like see yeah you're you're like over that dividing line it's i'm trying to figure out where that line is and it's like I wasn't sure like what you would be. Yeah. So yeah, I am technically a millennial, <laughs> but in yes. spirit, I'm 45 years old. <laughs> <laughs> you, so you don't get, I don't get Snapchat either, but I just figured I was too old. So. And it's not even like, it's not even like I don't get the point. Like I, I, I can understand the point, although it is not how I interact with my friends, but yeah. I literally couldn't figure out the UI. <laughs> Yeah, like I could not figure out the app either. I did download it and open it one time, but I could not figure out how to use it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like I not to be, but I do work in tech. Like this, <laughs> this is something that I'm not used to. Well, actually, one of the funny stories about Snapchat is that when they filed for their IPO in their registration documents, they had this whole series of like diagrams and instructions on like how to use it. Really? <laughs> yeah. And, and, for like and, all like, the bankers who are like, what? Like, yeah, like so like someone commented on Twitter that's like they love how they have instructions for the olds. <laughs> 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 it's true. Like they were like, did you click on this button? And like and then this happened. It's it was kinda it was bizarre, yeah. That I'm gonna look that up just so that I can 
understand how to use it. Yeah, it's their S1 statement. It's like, that's so um, funny. <laughs> that's hilarious. Because, I mean, Etsy went through an IPO when I was there, and our S1 did not have instructions for how to use our app. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you were, you didn't only have the app. Right? Yeah, I mean, it yeah. It wasn't like you had a website and right, people right. understood it. But the, a web app, all... if you will. <laughs> oh, is that is that the new lingo? No, I don't know. <laughs> but it's like a blurry line, right, between what's an app and what's a site. Is is that a thing now? Like I don't know. I hadn't heard that. <laughs> well, I guess it's, it's I I take that back. But I think more and more companies are like app first, and then they'll make a web app. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. And so it's like. But then the the difference between like a company having an app first and making a web app versus having a website, like I don't even know. Like, is it is the name of the thing supposed to reflect the process to get there? I yeah yeah. yeah I don't know. Anyway, that's just an aside. Sorry, okay. <laughs> distraction. <laughs> Um, well, we, this is that was like a second order distraction, right? We were talking about Snapchat, and then right. what we were talking about before that. <laughs> Oh, not being able to use stuff. Well, I will also yeah. say, because I did have another thought on this, is that then Instagram like has a Snapchat like feature now um, with their stories. And actually, Facebook has it too now. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out that one either. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I know how to use Instagram, but I like cannot figure out this new feature. There's still yeah, like big looming mysteries to me about that. Yeah, I was looking at the Facebook. I, is it called Facebook Stories? I, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. And it just like it just it kind of gave me this like frustrating feeling. <laughs> and I wanted to kind of throw the phone down on the floor. <laughs> now you're really old. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, I like. And did you say get off my lawn while you did it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried to record a video of me saying that, but it just didn't work. Right? <laughs> <laughs> couldn't figure out. <laughs> so That's, yeah. All right. So that's this is this whole episode is just gonna be me reading <laughs> news headlines to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, I don't want to. I I try to. I I mean, I nerd swipe uh, or nerd snipe. I always say the wrong one. I nerd snipe D Rob so much that I don't want to nerd snipe him with this because I need to save that for like other things. <laughs> like for things that matter. Yeah. yeah. I understand. You gotta save your powder. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. at the same time, it, I mean, maybe he'll, you know, hear this episode and just do it anyway. <laughs> I, I don't. I wouldn't feel necessarily like super guilty about this because I don't. I don't think this is a hard problem. No. I yeah. So. It's like. And I feel chances like, are good that he already did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you can just look at the tweet and basically know. <laughs> Well, this is um, like back to Sean Taylor. I feel like one of the jokes Sean Taylor made that like it was like very funny and I feel like we like went by it too fast was he was like, yeah, we talked about a, like a model where you draw a graph and then you like use deep learning to like style transfer a plot, like a GG plot graphic onto the graph you drew. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so that it looks like you, like, computer-generated it. That's so, like, right. So I think it's, like, equivalent for this, where it's, like, you just choose, but then you have to make it look like a model chose. That's right. You, you kind of back-calculate the model. or like. <laughs> yeah. Like, the model is spitting out this list of predictions that I gave it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it worked perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Uh, for people who may have missed it, that was episode 35 where we talked to Sean Taylor. So, yeah. Anyway. yeah. All right. So you ready for the next headline? Yes. So I don't know. Have you heard about the, the YouTube advertiser thing? I have not. So YouTube's advertisers were like pulling their ads from YouTube because apparently they were showing the ads like in uh, like terrorist videos, uh. which are obviously... You can see why that would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and well, the only reason I bring this up is because there was a lot of discussion about uh, how can you know it's not feasible for any service, YouTube, Google, whatever, to kind of f like hand figure out whether a video is 
you know, offensive or not, or even w or worse for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, and so there obviously has to be done by machines, but of course mach machines don't always get everything right. And mm -hmm. how do you teach a machine how to like whether something is offensive or not? You know, there's all these kinds of issues. Right. And um, and and on the one hand, it may be an interesting machine learning problem. Um, but it turns out that YouTube just solved the problem by changing one of their policies. <laughs> so, the, so the issue is that the the advertisers were showing their ads in these you know offensive videos, and then the people who were posting the videos were getting money from it, right? Yeah, because um, there's like an ad revenue share, um, and so they didn't want. It, so it it would seem like these advertisers are literally funding these you know, horrible people. Yeah. Um, and so YouTube just changed the policy, which is that you can't collect revenue until you, your channel has uh, seen, has gotten at least like 10,000 views or whatever. Oh. Um, so there's like a threshold that you have to meet before you can start collecting revenue. Yeah. Um, I think what happens is a lot, like a lot of uh, these, like, you know, these, the people who post these videos, you know, they create a lot of bogus accounts and they post the video mm -hmm. and, um, and, uh, and they don't necessarily get a lot of views. Um, right. Well, I was so, going to say, they do eventually get taken down by YouTube, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. But um, but probably before the 10,000 limit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but maybe not in... But the problem is that if not in time for, like, an advertiser to get, maybe to have their ad shown there. Right. Um, right. And so... But if they cut off people from getting any money, then it kind of... Then the ads won't show, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's a smart so any, solution. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like a pretty reasonable solution, and yeah. it didn't require any machine learning at all. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the best solution. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I think it's funny because it was like weeks and weeks. Well, so YouTube only came out with this solution like a week ago, mm -hmm. and um, and this, but this has been going on for like weeks and weeks and weeks, and like, and all of the discussion was like, how do we figure out algorithms to better detect offensive material like yeah. no one there was no discussion of like well can we just tweak this one like some policy <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah that's it's like funny. literally changing a sentence in the whatever the agreement you signed <laughs> it's like oh i have an idea for an algorithm let's crowdsource this have people flag the videos <laughs> Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. Like, yeah. It's like we're actually pretty good at detecting these videos and taking them down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just the it, you could just rephrase this as like this is like the you know burn in time. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is solving the cold start problem. Right. Well, I think the, uh, one issue that I was thinking is that it, it's not actually a big problem. It's not like these offensive videos are like plaguing YouTube. They're very kind of small minority of videos obviously mm -hmm. um and so it's not like it's a huge problem but the problem but the issue is like because of the nature of the internet if if one ad appears on one video at one time yeah that's that's all it takes right i mean mm -hmm. and um so it's it, like it's it's questionable whether an algorithm could ever get to the point of like to the accuracy even with the volume that youtube sees you know the volume of videos that they see mm -hmm. uh to the accuracy where it could meet that standard right i mean i think um mm -hmm. especially because like of all the videos they get so few videos are of this nature mm -hmm. um and so like even at the volume that they receive they would still have to get a lot of data yeah <laughs> yeah think, to detect these things and uh and it's still probably would not necessarily get to the accuracy that we which is basically like perfect you need perfect accuracy yeah to solve <laughs> exactly. this problem right yeah, yeah. That's interesting, though, because I wonder how much money this is costing um, YouTube to implement this policy. I, I bet it. I don't know. I bet it doesn't cost that much, I think. Um, because I, I think um, I'm, I'm guessing the way it works is that there's a very small number of people who make like the vast majority of the money you mm -hmm. know, for YouTube. And so right. the people who are in the sub 10,000 view territory are... You know, they, okay, so they lose those people, but I don't think it's that much money. I mean, yeah, well, but yeah. then it's also losing the money for the first ten thousand views, even for their big, their big fish. <laughs> no, no, if, no, it's it's like it's per user, so it's not like per video. Oh. Um, so if you're a if you're like a YouTube user who collectively all across all your videos has ten thousand views, then you're yeah. fine. Yeah. Okay. So that's okay. A, not a very high bar. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is a, just a smart solution. <laughs> yeah. This is just getting rid of like the. The, the, the kind of like bogus accounts basically yeah, yeah. and it is like technically a model <laughs> this isn't it's not like uh like this is a modeling approach to the problem how, how so well i mean your model like they had to model 
I'm sure they chose that threshold based on the distribution of views and identifying where these accounts were and then choosing a threshold that like included all of the accounts in the upper tail. Right, yeah. And yeah. just kind of figuring out which quantile is kind of of that distribution. Exactly. They should set the cutoff, yeah. Yeah. And I mean a model that's it's like that flags a binary model that is like yes no you get advertisers yeah. like <laughs> <That's right. laughs> with a single covariate yeah exactly yeah. well yeah. I mean that is a, like snark aside this is something about machine learning that bugs me sometimes because usually it's like pretty simple models that yeah. are being and it's you know they're being implemented at scale um, possibly in real time you know there's there's reasons why it's an impressive engineering feat and like modeling feat like I don't want to act like simple models aren't usually really helpful but you know <laughs> it is true that this is a model <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. I, I mean, I hear shallow learning is making a, you know, it's oh. making a comeback. Is that what that means? <laughs> no, no, is that a real thing? Oh. I, I just made that up. <laughs> no. Now it is. <laughs> I just invented shallow learning, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. That is uh, such smart branding from deep learning. <laughs> but is it even brand like who I don't even know who came up with that. I guess well, that's probably it's something like that, CS that's, it, people. <laughs> it's probably like the I don't know. It's, it's probably like Jeff Hinton or something like that. I don't think it was a company. Right? Was it Jan LeCun? I mean, maybe. I think it might predate that. It, I don't oh. know. It's not yeah. Totally well, it's like rebranding neural networks, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's neural. It's not exactly, but it's kind of neural networks with a twist. But yeah. Um, but um. Yeah. Well. I mean, I assume it's uh, the field of computer science because they're like branding geniuses. They are, yeah. They're way better at it than, yeah. than, than, than we are, that's for sure. Right? Yeah. yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, granted it was a low bar to cross, but they're way better at it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Are you ready for the next headline? Yes. This is, uh, this is, this is one that's near and dear to my heart. All right. So Apple is coming out with a new Mac Pro. Oh, already? Well, no. So you probably have not been caught up in all of the drama regarding no. the Mac Pro. So I'll fill you in. Yeah. So the Mac Pro, the latest iteration of the Mac Pro came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. And since 2013, it has never been updated. <laughs> and I, so I like your like dramatic. <laughs> this is like is a TED dramatic. talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got like a cadence to my to my presentation here. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> this All is right. going to be one of those episodes. I can feel it. All right. <laughs> it's never been updated. <laughs> well, you have to understand. I listen to a lot of technology podcasts, yeah. and the topic of every podcast for the last six months has been how they've never updated the the Mac Pro. <laughs> it's like it's my whole life. Anyway, I have one of these Mac Pros. I bought it when it came out. Yeah, I have one too. Um, yeah. Wait, you do? A MacBook Pro? No, no, no. The Mac Pro. This is the desktop computer. Oh, no. Oh, oh I actually kind of did know this. <laughs> oh, okay. I do not have one. I think yeah, it looks the controversy like, it looks like a trash sounds game. more familiar now. All okay. right. So, so Mac this, this, Pro, not MacBook. Got no, it. no. Yeah, MacBook they updated last year. So. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. That's Confusion so the out. anyway, so the desktop computer, which looks like a trash can, <laughs> right? Not, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so people thought it was basically that it was dead, right? Like, the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the iPhone was approaching it in terms of like computing ability, right? So, um, uh, but but recently, like like a, like a couple of weeks ago, they announced that they're going to build a new version of the Mac Pro. Nice. Um, that is totally different from what the current design is. Um, yeah. And it won't be ready this year. It'll may come out next year. Wow. Uh, or even 2019. Who knows? They didn't, say, they didn't say what the date would be. Um, All right. And just one more bit of background, then I'll get to why I bring this up. So um, the really one of the reasons why the, the original, the, this version of the Mac Pro couldn't be updated was because it, it had like a weird thermal design. So it had like a, it had a single like CPU. Mm -hmm. um, which could be dual core. It could be up to 12 cores, I think. Whoa. 
and uh, and then the, it was and it had two GPUs, right? So the, these AMD GPUs, mm-hmm. um, and and they they the bet that they took was that uh, the future was going to be about multiple GPUs, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, it turned out they were wrong. <laughs> and instead of having multiple GPUs on a system, uh, on a desktop system, what's happening is that the GPUs <coughs> just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and like more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is as they get bigger they generate more heat and you have to have a thermal kind of you know the the heat has to be uh taken out of the system yeah and the way that the thing was quick question does the solution involve liquid nitrogen (laughs) (laughs) not to not to my knowledge (laughs) darn but you've ever seen those where like people are pumping like I think there. I think I have seen a YouTube video where someone had some intricate setup with like liquid nitrogen and stuff to like. Yeah, to like seriously overclock their. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I've seen those. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, so that's yeah. But the point is that the, there was no room for like the liquid nitrogen canister inside <laughs> inside the, the current version of the Mac Pro. Right. So um, and so there's no way to like. To do that, they basically they couldn't update it because th- there was there was not enough like thermal capacity in the computer. Yeah. So anyway, that's and so the, anyway, so there's like this whole GPU problem, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it got anyway, it just got me thinking about. Um, and I think it, well, the other thing, and I guess last I said, the GPUs, uh, you know, have gotten very important. have become very important for uh, even though they're called graphical processing units. Like I actually think their primary use is probably not graphics mm. <laughs> anymore. That is. Yeah, uh, because you know people use them for all kinds of computation now. You know, deep learning and you know machine oh, learning and right. computer vision. Yeah, um, and uh, it used to be that you needed the GPU f- to play like the latest video game. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's what I think um, of. But and which is still true. Yeah, but I actually think like you, like you know companies like Google and Facebook they have like all these like server farms that are just all GPUs basically, right? Wow. Yeah. Um, because they do certain kinds of mathematical computations a lot faster, and they do them in parallel. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, and that's and so like deep learning and mich- and all this machine learning stuff. They're really GPU intensive because um, this is a lot faster. And they can do yeah. It yeah, but surely like the people at Apple are not designing for that use case. <laughs> well, who knows? Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it, it, well, it got me thinking about like what it is that I need to yeah. do data science work, right? Right. And uh, and the fact of the matter is that except for like my occasional video editing, you know, forays, mm-hmm. uh, like I don't like I don't even think I use the GPU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like like you you could shut that thing off, and I don't think I would notice. You know? <laughs> um, and I feel like the, like the, a lot of the work that I do is very like CPU intensive. Like I like having the twelve cores, mm-hmm. and I like using like the parallel package in R. I can kind of MCL apply. Mm-hmm. lots of computation across different cores and it's like and it works kind of very well mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what your experience has been in terms of like what do you find I don't know what you find to be the optimal setup I have heard of statisticians doing like GPU computation mm-hmm. um, like using this like, this like a library called CUDA that NVIDIA has mm-hmm. um, that you can use for NVIDIA graphics cards and you yeah can, it's a lot you can program it you know there's it's a lot, you can there's functions that you can call things like that it's yeah. not trivial but i actually I think, now i think about it, there may be like an r package that interfaces uh <laughs> into this library and I, I think i seem to remember that interesting um, but i've never used it i don't do any of that stuff so yeah i was gonna say um, yeah i do you know so much deep learning on a daily basis so <laughs> obviously i have developed opinions on this <laughs> Not at all. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, maybe not in the you know across your you know across long my experience, org. yeah, was, or yeah. or even yeah, even within your organization or across just time in your experience. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah. So my approach is to just acquire a server farm <laughs> uh-huh. and put everything out there. I mean, really though, it at, at like at Etsy and at uh, Stitch Fix, like. Usually it's like VPN into the cluster <laughs> or like like there are both places we had like computational environments that were on a like virtual machine uh-huh. in a machine that I did not own or configure. And so I could get like more I'm almost always concerned with just more RAM because it's like if the data set I pull from the database isn't 
I can't fit it in RAM on my laptop, then I'm like, go to the VPN. <laughs> I go to my like server in the cloud. <laughs> so let me, but let me ask. So this server in the cloud, yeah, the magical server in the cloud. Yes. Um, what I mean, without maybe without re reveal. I mean, it's like it's CPU intensive, right? I mean, it's uh, yeah, um, and and lots of memory, I suppose, right? Yeah. I mean, you can kind of at least. You can like configure. We have actually like a great tool at Stitchfix where you can like say, "Here's how much RAM I need," um, right. etc. And so, and then if you're like working on the production algorithm, serving real time, something like that, then at that point you're like working with uh, someone from our data platform team to implement that optimally. Um, Right. So it's like very rare that you're, it's like either you don't need to think about it or you think about it and you have someone helping you to like, to like solve it and someone who has like deep knowledge of computer systems. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I do not know because I have lots of support. <laughs> well, I, it got me thinking because like it, it I was, so I was kind of, I was kind of wondering whether it, in the future, how possible it would be to, develop a computer that really that everyone can use you know yeah like it used to be that you know when before we before you were buying laptops you know you, if you bought a desktop computer you know you just bought the, kind of like the best configuration and then that was it right yeah um, yeah and it i don't know it seems like uh, some computation like i feel like the stuff that i do is very cpu intensive i need lots of, i like having lots of cores mm -hmm. uh but then other stuff is very specialized it uses these gpus and mm -hmm. um and uh and i feel like i wouldn't necessarily i don't know maybe we all still buy the same computer we just get the best of everything but i think you're um, like stuck in the past man like maybe, you need you <laughs> like go on get like an aws instance or something you know and then you can like buy whatever you need so you're saying like hoc. i shouldn't i just shouldn't have a computer basically. yeah exactly like, like you like having a computer that solves all of your data science needs is a tough order but you know I, yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> I think there is still something to be said about having a local, having some local thing. Uh, yeah, I mean. Because it's still, uh, I don't know. This is like really correlated with like Snapchat abilities, I feel like. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but we agreed that you and I were I on the same level, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like, you know, I think like I did, I did figure out with some Googling how to use the Instagram <laughs> story. <laughs> Okay, so you're saying that I should be googling around to figure out how to like <laughs> first how to use server. Snapchat, and then second. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I just I would never. I this is. I feel like in whenever Google started like going hard on like Google Cloud and Google Drive and stuff, I committed to like a. I'm on the Jeff Leak side of like I literally own a Chromebook. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I would love to just set up, I haven't, like, done it, <laughs> but I would love to set up, like, an AWS sort of, like, there, there's, like, data science containers that you can spin up. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. all done. Yeah. And so I would just so much prefer, that fits my mental model. Like, I would rather have resources that I can use as needed and then free up when not needing them. Um and definitely not have to maintain it myself. Like anything I don't have to maintain myself, I am like on board. <laughs> well, I, I think the maintenance issue has, has for the most part gone away, even for like a normal laptop. Like I, I don't even think about it anymore. Yeah, um, that's, that's a good point. It's yeah. definitely not like it used to be. I mean, the Chromebook really takes that to the max, but yeah. Uh, but even for a normal laptop, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, but um, one thing I, the thing that I think that bothers me is that I don't like because you know we, those of us who, <laughs> who are a couple years older, um, remember when you we used to work like this all the time. Like you'd have your son your son's server, right? Yeah. That you logged into remotely, uh, right. And then you did your work. And um, and the one thing that always bothered me about that is that, to this day, the network or the internet, even like a local network in your building or something, to me is not fast enough for me to type and to like get a response back yeah it's just like that drives me nuts interesting and and, and in fact, that's the reason i switched from sv from subversion to git 
Uh -huh. um, because every time you do something in Subversion, it has to go out to the server, right? Yeah. Which which may be some, who knows where. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas everything you do in Git is local until you push. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and the fact that everything you do on Git is local makes it like when you do Git whatever and you hit enter, it just happens. Right. 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 And whereas you do SVN whatever and you like wait. Yeah. Who knows, like a second or two, right? Yeah. And for some, that that is enough to drive me away from <laughs> from a solution basically right yeah and it is true i will say like i mean especially at etsy where we were doing so much like every engineer would have that problem so we had like a massively fast connection to our servers I like I, I wish I should have like someone from the ops team there come on and describe because it was like a lot of effort to make sure that latency was like very very low. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, you you can do that because it's like your system, right? Yeah, exactly. It was like uh, not that far to, away. Yeah. If I'm connecting to AWS, like who? I mean, that's who knows that? Like, that's got to go all the way down to Virginia, right? So yeah, um, it's <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. My solution is only theoretical. Uh, your solution is fundamentally flawed, in my opinion. <laughs> I'll actually I I'll actually try it and start to because I I mean I agree with you if. If that were a perpetual problem in my workflow, then that would be a problem. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that. So, you might have pointed a fatal flaw to my. <laughs> <laughs> or you might have just revealed like a really bizarre quirk of mine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. One of the two, um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but still, I feel like that can be improved upon. Whereas. Like if you own if you own your system, you'll always be limited. Like I, I like the idea of with like let's say that you wanna play you're like, I really wanna start implementing some like deep learning problems, then if you're in like the AWS world, you can just get resources to do that for that limited amount of time and then you're like, ah, eh, this isn't worth it. Whereas if you are maintaining your own system, you would have to like wait for the like two years for the next Mac Pro to come out. You know what I mean? I yeah, I, I totally understand. And I think that's you raise a good point, which is that I ultimately I think the AWS approach is for sure cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean unless you're doing like something crazy, right? I mean I think yeah. It would for sure be cheaper. Right? Yeah. 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 So then buying, especially versus buying an app, any Apple product. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's no Apple product that is cheaper. <laughs> that, that using AWS, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Even if you're running R on your watch, right? So, um, That's funny. That, that I will concede. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and the flexibility that's afforded to you by just like, you know, by having it all these different things to choose from and then spitting up whatever you want is there is something to be said for that That's yeah cool. yeah i guess my bias is for flexibility yeah okay. yeah <laughs> and my <laughs> bias is for apple products yeah <laughs> exactly exactly but yeah, you are so. determined by the end of this conversation for the mac pro to be like well roger you definitely need to buy the mac pro i mean <laughs> i think apple should have done like what tesla did uh -huh. and just be like we won't be making this product for two years, but if you want, you can pay us now. <laughs> like, put down a deposit, you know? <laughs> like, you even, like, like, bam. Like, done. Like, I think, was it last year that Tesla announced the Model 3? I think it was last year. Maybe yeah, year at before. least, if not more. Yeah. They're yeah. basically like, if you want to give us $1,000 right now, go ahead, but you will not get this car for three years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, and like 400,000 people did that. I right? know. I know people who did it. Is it... Yeah. What, did you get any advantage from doing that? <laughs> well, you get you get first access to it, right? I so see. If, 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 I mean, yeah. So the people who order it when the car comes out, they're gonna be waiting a while. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But the people who pre-order it are gonna be waiting a while too. So <laughs> yeah. Thing, so. Yeah. It's like really, you're talking about small differences. Yeah. But it'll <laughs> but if feel they, really big. But if <laughs> Apple had done this with the Mac Pro, I for sure would have put the money down. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have it at home or at work? I have it at work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That is so... Yeah. yeah, that's so opposite of how I work. <laughs> <laughs> I want my computer also, to just be like a lightweight portal. <laughs> well, also, like, like the, the network in our building did not... I don't know. You were there. It did mm -hmm. not used to be that good. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It, and it, now it's better. And like, you know, Jeff Lee can survive on the Chromebook, but uh, <laughs> I still, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a still a problem for me. I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, geez, I mean, the Hopkins has, can't you connect to the, the like biostat cluster? It's like yeah. literally across from your office. You know, actually, it's not anymore. Oh. Yeah, you, yeah. That's that's news to you, actually. So yeah. it's like out in the Bayview campus, which is like a couple miles away. Oh. Because um, they, so they built like a huge like server space yeah. there, and okay. so they wanted all servers to be there. Basically. Okay. That's yeah, fair. but <laughs> yeah, but it is on like a high speed connection. It's the problem is like you know the, the, the connection. The problem is not like the connection from my building to that building. The problem is the, the connection from like the beginning of my building to my office. Yeah, <laughs> well, know, that's like, where you need your hardwire solution. Like, I have no sympathy for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> no, it's just like the the networking from that goes from my office to like wherever the internet comes into the building uh-huh. is is the weakest link. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, it's nothing I could do about it except like, unless like I tear up the wall and like <laughs> you know install new wiring. Yeah. Well, hey, so, it's an anyway. option. It's other. It's I blame other people. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You should just work on the weekends and at nights. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah. <laughs> Rearrange my schedule. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want I, before we go on for too long. I wanted to ask you about the tool chains. Um, oh yes, yes, yes. So, th- this is the thing that I think everyone deals with all the time, uh, which is that like you know you're working on a problem or you're working in an area, and you have the choice between, you know, building your using kind of very simple tools um, that are easily replaceable if you know if something were to go happen to them, mm-hmm. uh, or building your work upon like very complex tool chains. Um, that make things a lot easier, uh, but if something happens to that tool chain, like you're kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. And, and when um, you say when you say tools, like what are some examples? So, like just a very simple example, uh, like so when we were building the data science courses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we used one of the the tool that we used to build all of our slides, uh, our you know lecture slides, mm-hmm. uh, was something called Slideify. Yeah. Right. And then, so which we thought was great at the time, and mm-hmm. then eventually, but then the person who wrote the Slideify package, like you know, never developed it, never updated it. Right. Um, it I remember. Fell by yeah. The wayside. I remember and being really we were, excited about Slideify. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then we were kind of like, uh oh, right. And then now it's like, <laughs> like I don't even know if I could build the slides anymore. You know, like, <laughs> um, I mean, thankfully, I mean, our stu- there is like a replacement. Our studio kind of came out with their yeah. kind of art studio presenter, and now they've got our Markdown and. Um, so there is an alternative, but like we would have to con- do all the conversion, and it's not like right. trivial. And anyway, yeah. so like the whole the point is that like we've got this whole set of slides for like nine courses. I don't know how many lectures that are built on this. In this case, just one tool. Um, mm-hmm. But and then like it kind of got. I don't. I'm not blaming anyone. You know, this happens. But right. it just you know it kind of went away, so to speak. And now it's like we don't. It's it, we're kind of if we don't if we wanted to update it, it's like kind of a pain. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's just a simple example, but so, um, of and we may, maybe we, we if we had built it on like you know LaTeX or something, mm-hmm, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is little or or I don't know something something else that is perhaps more stable, but maybe not as nice. Mm-hmm. Um, then we maybe wouldn't be in the situation. Yeah, I yeah. Know, I mean, I feel like I talk about this a lot with our packages, yeah. where I have like an extreme bias for something that. I sense will be maintained. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, can you describe that sense? Well, I, I was going to say, I'll give you like the very long backstory because like, as you may not be surprised to hear, um, when I was like a teenager, I tracked all of my expenses in whatever the precursor to Excel was. And I can't remember what it was, but it was... There were many precursors. Yeah. It was yeah. some, it was Microsoft... Oh, but huh. I can't remember. This was when I was like twelve or something. Okay. <laughs> and so, I'm, and I, it I'm was not like, surprised. Yeah, it was like a lot. It was a lot of work. Uh, I mean, you know, work of a twelve-year-old. But it was like I carefully tracked every single expense and like balanced my checkbook, made sure that it's like balance balanced my checkbook, like balanced my like pile of money (laughs) stored under my bed (laughs) um (laughs) and then later when i got like an actual checking account that was my checkbook and so then um but then at some point 
I switched to Excel and I always thought I would like transfer the files over and then at some point the product like went away. And so I remember this moment of just being like, I have these files I can't even read anymore. <laughs> right. And like, what do I do? And I just, then I made a big like mental shift and committed myself to no longer doing like dual entry accounting. <laughs> So I was like, positive at age, life change. At age, like, what, 13 you made that show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like last year. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Not quite, but like definitely in my 20s. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway, the point is like that burned me so much that I I, I think about that like constantly. <laughs> it's like the looming example in my head. So, anyway, I'm very biased to that. That's where the bias came from, if that was your question. Yeah, no, and uh, and I, we I, we've kind of talked about this in previous episodes where I think you've mentioned that like it's hard for you to pick up a package if you feel like it might be going away anytime soon, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, and a yeah. lot of open source stuff is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so uh, so, but you said you so you <laughs> you have a sense though. Yeah, and like, and I'm wondering like what what goes into your calculation if right. anything. Well, uh, I think part of my sense is. Um, like the company I think I've talked about this a lot where it's like oh I I trust our studio it has like a really good funding model and like very obviously very dedicated employees um, and a dedicated CEO so I trust them to maintain packages for sure Um, and like I I bias a lot to Google Sheets at this point for like my accounting system (laughs) for your spreadsheet yeah like I I would rather I, I put almost every everything that is not like a data problem but requires a spreadsheet like interface i use there just because i yeah. trust google and maybe Wait, so, but, i shouldn't <laughs> well there's one thing between trusting google well you trust google to like to maintain it yeah yeah okay that's interesting because i like i don't have a i don't necessarily have a good feeling about google well google you know all those google drive uh, sorry google docs google sheets all those products right yeah um, i mean that's well founded because i think have I told you this or talked about this on the podcast where like the the biggest way that I tortured Jeff when I was a PhD student was <laughs> getting him <laughs> I was like we're going to use Google Wave. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is where I'm going to put all of my research and I'm going to like have this document ongoing. <laughs> you might have to like describe that for some people. <laughs> wait, what? What, you might have to describe yeah, Google, Google Wave. Wave yeah, Google Wave was like a very short-lived product uh, from Google. I can't, God, I can't even remember. It was, it was them reimagining email. I think where they're yeah. like, what if, e- what if we made email from scratch right now? And it was kind of a hybrid between Google Docs. Like it, you could see people. I think at the time, Google Docs wasn't out yet. So the fact that you could see other people typing was like a really new thing. Right. Um, yeah. And then, but then, and, but it had, I don't like, oh, I want to like, I'm going to go look up the UI. <laughs> yeah, because they, 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 Google, they bought Google Docs. Um, oh, really? It a, yeah, it used to be called Rightly. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And they bought it and then it became Google Docs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I would be shocked if they didn't. It, Google Docs are used so heavily in industry. I, yeah, I know. That's what I hear. I feel like, and in, in, in like in schools, like they, you know, yeah. they use it all the time, everywhere. You know. Yeah. But um, it um, I, I, yeah. So, but you could have said that about like Google Reader. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. A lot of people use that, but I don't know. The question is like whether it makes money for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, anyway, but yeah, but Google Wave suffered a quick death. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember Jeff being like, "No more new technology." <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I don't think I can like any more ideas from you on this front. Like, need well, some you know, once you get burned, you know, it's. <laughs> I know. So I would say, yeah, the the two things that make me <laughs> in, inherently skeptical of being dependent are one, that experience from my childhood. Two, like <laughs> horrifying experience in grad school where I like burned up goodwill with my advisor. <laughs> <laughs> We should have Jeff on sometime to like just talk about that experience. Uh, yeah, hopefully he's at the point where he can laugh about it. Yeah. Now, <laughs> but oh, that, but you raise a good point, which is like you know, it's like people often don't think of what's the funding model for the software that I'm using. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They think of what's the, what are the features? Does it work? Is mm-hmm. it buggy? You know, things like that. And like, but like I think now, especially maybe now more so than in the past, 
um, like there's a lot of stuff that we use that is free, right? Yeah. Uh, but then like, you know, nothing's, you, you have to ask yourself like, why is it free? Mm-hmm. And if it's free, then who's actually paying for it, right? Right. Um, and I feel like you have to think about that more than you used to. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, because um, I guess well, with the internet. Well, because stuff used to not be free. So it was right, a little you, more clear. You can like pay yeah. for software. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was impossible for things to be free in the past. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But um, but it's a yeah. So I don't I don't think that I don't I feel like I don't hear that discussed very much because um, people there's an inst- there's an instinct that's like oh if it's open source and it's free you know that's good right yeah um, yeah I would say yeah at this point that's like the opposite of my reaction <laughs> 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 where I'm like oh it's open source like I hope I hope it doesn't go away yeah I I mean I kind of feel that way about like like apps on the app store like if 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 there's like if there's an app that's like four ninety nine or if there's like a subscription model I'll like I feel a way better about that completely then, agree yeah then if it's like a free app then it's like i don't know like where's money coming from you know it's like, yeah um are there ads or are they collecting data you know what is it you know mm-hmm. um and so it's yeah i don't know that was uh because like um I, I i feel like i'm a kind of person who's biased toward just like using the minimal set mm-hmm. of things that i can get away with yeah i completely uh, agree but um but on the other hand like sometimes like you just have to like there are things that can just make your life a lot easier, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, but you have to take that risk, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There was a talk by Dan McKinley, um, who was formerly at Etsy, like a principal engineer, um, called Use Boring Tech. Uh, I think, I'm not sure if that was the title, but that was definitely the theme. Um, and it was kind of like <laughs> like the jaded older engineer in the org. <laughs> Being like, I know that you want to come and use like Neo 4J, <laughs> like graphical yeah. models, right? Actual example, <laughs> but okay. like you can't. We can't just like go buy a Neo 4J server for this problem. Like it. So I, I get. I think we've talked about this before, where it's like when you're a more junior engineer, it's like there's so much out there. It's so exciting, and then like as time goes on, and you have these like burn experiences, <laughs> right? Then you get to the point where you're like, I never want to see something new. And then the danger there is like not not adapting at all, um, which was, you know, that's a serious problem too. And like, yeah, yeah. it's a balance system. I mean, that's what prevented me from t- from uh, using the tidyverse, honestly. Like, yeah. I, I saw it as a new thing. I'm like, all right, well, it seems to be changing a lot. Like, I don't want to write all this code and then it's not going to work next week or whatever yeah yeah um, and uh but you know but you got eventually you know you got to like m- decide that okay it's actually worth it and right um, you have to be flexible enough to make that decision yeah you hadn't drank the kool-aid yet <laughs> you weren't you weren't like fully entrusting your life to well you know I, all i saw was all these young kids you know being like yeah i gotta use the <laughs> <laughs> and they were using Snapchat. It's like, who yeah, are I know. Like, what's going on? I don't get this. <laughs> They're all on my lawn, and like, I can't get them off. <laughs> yeah, all coming together. What a great thing. But, but now it's like it's a trade-off. Is now it's like, oh, if I use the tidyverse, like they'll think I'm cool. Yeah, 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 and like you have to make up for not using Snapchat. So this is how to do it. Yeah, all I need is like you know the tidyverse and a pair of skinny jeans. (laughs) Subscribe to Stitch Fix. We can get (laughs) that for you. (laughs) Actually, random. I had a a, a, we had a seminar speaker come a little while back, Mm -hmm. and uh, and she was like she was a Stitch Fix customer. Yeah, yeah. By the way, you know I was. This is somewhat related. I, I was Googling the other day. I think I Googled, like, building an R package or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, your, like, blog post comes up first, I believe. I know. I know. A, and, and I saw a tweet the other day that said that that credited you mm-hmm. with uh, with the creation of a brand new R package. Nice. Yeah. This is from Emily Bailey. I saw that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's it's so, exciting. It's you, I don't. I'm glad I SEO optimized without realizing it. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> it's been. I think I realized that at some point. Actually, Rafa Irizarry sent me an email about that a couple years ago, and then. But it's been like a consistent drumbeat of um, comments on the post, and so you oh, yeah. only get that with like Google, <laughs> with some Google help. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So you're causing things to happen. Is all yeah. I'm saying. 
No, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we haven't done a free advertising in a little while. Yeah. And I think the people demand it. <laughs> right. The, the, the people who are still listening, that is. <laughs> I don't know. Are you up for it? Or yeah. Not? Yeah. I have okay. one. Um, so, so actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna call an audible here. So I um, I originally was gonna have this fund manager package mm-hmm. um, be my free advertising because it's like, so it's like a our package that you know this person Alex Bresler? yeah Alex Bresler he's in New York yeah. okay yeah great anyway. guy okay uh, he made a package that does like kind of all kinds of financial calculations that and it, the, and his GitHub repository is kind of funny like he's trying to liberate the people, the world from Excel <laughs> I know I was li- um, I really liked the the page and I mean he has a great point. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. yeah, there's all this money being traded and it's yeah. all being like Excel is the primary tool doing it. And that's horrifying. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the issues, if I understand correctly, that in the financial world is a lot of like archi- uh, infrastructure mm-hmm. that's built up around Excel. Like there are templates and there are mm-hmm. all, you know, there's all this like imagine like you know, the equivalent, the, R, the Excel equivalent of our packages. You know? Yeah. Um, and so it's hard to break out of that ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I thought it looked, I, I don't really have a use <laughs> for this package, but um, I'm not managing mi- millions of dollars, but um, yeah. but it seemed cool though. Yeah, um, yeah. But actually, I, applaud I wanted effort. to, so that was, I'm going to do two because I cheat. Go for it. <laughs> but my other one was for you actually. Oh. Uh, because you meant, uh, two episodes ago, you mentioned uh, that you were listening to, some, you were going to some concerts. Uh-huh. And so there's a new podcast out, it's called Sticky Notes. Oh, nice. And it's like a, it's like a podcast about classical music, actually. Excellent. And um, it's by this guy, Josh Weilerstein, mm-hmm. who is, he's kind of like a classical music royalty, I guess. Like, so oh, his nice. sister, his older sister is Elisa Weilerstein, who's like one of the best cellists in the world today. Oh, cool. Uh, and his father was Donald Weilerstein, who was like an amazing, who was a, a violinist in the Cleveland Quartet. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, you know, he's got quite a lineage there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's a conductor, actually. I think he conducts in Switzerland or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does this podcast, and every podcast he, he kind of goes through one piece of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of done at like a, uh, like a music 101 kind of level. Nice. Um, but honestly, like, I know all the pieces, but I've, I listen to it, and I still, I still learn something. I feel like I still always learn something. So Cool. Cool. Um, he does it at a great level, and it's really, it's really, it's really good. It's really well done, actually. Yeah, um, so. that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah Wait, what was it called? You. Sticky notes. It's called yeah, sticky notes. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, is that like referring to putting sticky notes on the music? I guess so. I guess conductors do that. Yeah, um, a lot. Yeah, it's like, it's like, flail your arms more. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's what I think they're doing, but sometimes it's just like so big. <laughs> that's right. That's a New Yorker cartoon, I think, ready to be made, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either yeah. that or like a Far Side cartoon. I can't quite figure it. <laughs> yeah, one of yeah. That's right, Far Side. Hmm. Did you read the Far Side? Yeah, yeah. When I was okay. a kid, yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure because it ended. I couldn't. It was sure when it ended. Yeah. I have an older brother, and so he was really into it. I feel I like I have all these kind of like slightly older than me tastes because of him. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he was like really into the far side. So um, I, I actually got from the library the like far side anthology that's just literally all the far sides, uh-huh. mostly ordered by date. Um, and they are so funny. They're like still extremely yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. They have yeah. a they have a classic kind of feel to them. They, yeah. Yeah. Timeless, I should say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. I will definitely check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you learn about classical music? Otherwise, uh, well, I I played the violin for like thirty years, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I you know I also so I did a lot of you know I was I so I learned a lot of it that way just playing the music, mm-hmm. um, and um, and also like you know when you're playing orchestras and things like that, um, you learn a lot from the conductor and you learn a lot just from other people and so. Mm-hmm. It's, it was kind of I guess it wasn't formal is what I, I know actually I did I took a lot of classes in college uh, I see yeah um, but that was much later and uh, so yeah do you still play with an ensemble no I uh, I so I, so now I tell people that I own a violin <laughs> 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 because there's not a lot of play like I, I played for I mean I played here in Baltimore for a while in an orchestra and then after um, 
after my son was born, I played in a, like a quartet with just a couple oh, of people. Yeah. Uh, but then it just became kind of unmanageable. And so yeah. I haven't played in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you when my dad retired, he joined two bands. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. He played trumpet as a kid. And then now he plays. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I can't remember. But it's like slightly bigger than a trumpet. Um, euphonium, euphonium, euphonium. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah. No, I think he really likes it. He's like very into it. So, <laughs> I do have plans to get back to it. I, I don't want to wait all the way until retirement, but it, it, it may end up being that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Well, once your son, the other thing is, if your son takes music lessons, you just schedule it at the same time. That's a good point. Yeah. So he, yeah, he does take piano now, actually. Yeah. Um, that's also what my dad did. He took like guitar lessons when I was taking piano lessons. Cause you're like I there. Yeah. You have a half hour. <laughs> that's true. Do you play piano? I did. I did okay. uh, through grade school and high school. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think, well, I didn't think I knew that. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like I was never, I was never like <laughs> expressing myself with the music. It was more just like, learning the notes and i mean i got good where i could play like um chopin did you enjoy it i do enjoy it but it's like i enjoy i as i said i don't feel i feel like true musicians are like really expressing themselves with music and i enjoy it from like the challenge i'm like oh yeah i got all those notes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i i don't know maybe it's something i should revisit because like it would be but it, it's just so hard. I like when I think about music, it's such a complex level of expression because it's like technically challenging. Yeah. And then like the emotion conveyed is very like subtle, and so it's it's just hard. I don't know. Well, I, I don't argue that it's hard, but um, I think a lot of that, if you think of like what separates like a professional from, I mean, it's just like with anything, right? They just do it a lot more. You know? Yeah. It's like, there's, a, there's a volume element to it mm-hmm. that you can't just replicate on it in an instant you know yeah um and i think um so i think once you've heard every single piece of music like you get a sense of like what should and should not be done Mm -hmm. and and like and what how you want to do things differently to like express yourself differently you know Mm -hmm. um so it's i don't know i don't think it's it's not really mystical it's just like i think some people just do it a lot more and they're yeah I also, I think, I'm sure I told you this in grad school. I played handbells for a long time. Oh, I think I did know that. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I remember exactly telling you because you, <laughs> like, you laughed and you were like, that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was actually easier. I mean, I was, I was like technically better at that, I think. Like, it, I don't know. For some reason, it clicked with me. I did it a lot. And then I think the ensemble aspect of it is good for me versus playing alone yeah 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 well yeah i I can see yeah yeah so Um, so i would say actually with that i got closer to feeling like i was expressing myself and like uh uh-huh yeah so maybe i should find a handbell choir here something for your retirement (laughs) yeah it was true that it was that was like the dominant population (laughs) in In any choir and then it was like me like 20 year old like hi guys (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> fine. It's pretty music. Oh. All right. What's your thing? Um, oh, my thing was just going to be a plug for uh, the show Big Little Lies on HBO. Oh, what is that? It's really good. It's uh, Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon. Um, I think it's Shailene Woodley. I'm not sure how to say her name. But it's um, it's an adaptation of a book, and it takes place all in Monterey. Um and it's like kind of a mystery drama type, very, very emotional. And they, they actually cover some really like complex topics, complex and taboo topics, I would say. Um, okay. But it's just really good. And it's filmed in Monterey and Malibu. <laughs> so it's oh, okay. just so pretty. And yeah. it was funny because I started watching it right after a trip down the coast and so yeah it was just like i was like oh like we can look at these beautiful cliffs again um (laughs) but yeah it was really good nicole kidman is like amazing um and so it was just fun to watch yeah i mean it's like painful to watch like it's it's serious but it's also like 
very nice. I don't know. Hard to explain. <laughs> Do you have to watch it from beginning to end? Yes. Definitely, okay. yeah. All right. I definitely, definitely do that. And it's it's not it's not like a show. It's kind of more of a mini series. Like right. there's only okay. seven episodes, so. Oh, oh, it's only seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you have access to HBO, highly uh, recommend. Oh, HBO. Okay. Now you're like I have to buy another service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bought Netflix for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, this one's an HBO exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fourteen ninety nine a month. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just eat the cost. Yeah, you just do one month and then turn it off. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll just, and just like binge watch it and then. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. All right. Um, you got anything else? I think that's it. <laughs> okay. Good Productive episode. episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, if you want to reach us, you can always you can go to our Twitter account, which is at nssdeviations, and you can always email us at nssdeviations at gmail dot com. Uh, and Hillary is at hsptr. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> and I am at are you paying on Twitter? So yeah. all right. We'll Wait. See you next oh, did time. you mention oh. Patreon? Did oh yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, this is good. So. Um, we have a Patreon page too, which is uh, patreon.com slash NSSDeviations. And we have three levels of participation. At the uh, $1 an episode level, you get to feel good about yourself. Um, <laughs> at $2 a level, $2 an episode, you get a hex, an NSSD custom made hex sticker. And at $3 per episode, uh, you get access to our outtakes from each episode. Uh, of which there are many usually <laughs> so um, anyway so please sign up uh, it's patreon.com slash nss deviations <laughs>